Welcome to the West Virginia Soccer Association Beyond the Pitch podcast here on the West Virginia Soccer Association Digital Network. My name is Marcus Cole. Now, before we begin today's show, I want to remind you that once you've had a chance to check out our program, make sure you give our podcast a five-star rating and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. That helps you stay up to date on all the latest content from us, and it helps us get the word out to others to let them know that we're providing valuable information for soccer players, coaches, referees, and parents. On the phone with us today is Jenny Rerick. She is a communications specialist and owner of 9to5 Athlete. Jenny, welcome to the program. Hello, Marcus. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're happy that you're here as well, because today our topic is about communication, not only between coach and player, but also player and coach. Uh, But before we dive into everything, why don't you go ahead and give our audience just a little bit of background about your qualifications and experience? Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, I am an executive communication skills coach with a special emphasis on public speaking and presentation skills. I work for a company called Vautier Communications, which uh, in which I focus specifically on working with both groups and individual professionals and executives in the corporate space. And then somewhat recently, I've begun to work with in a consultation setting with health, fitness and sport professionals on communication skills and presentation skills. My aside from that, my husband and I own a strength and conditioning gym in Brentwood in Northern California called Train Smarter and Harder. And then I am also a educator and coach for certified functional strength coach. Sounds like it keeps you pretty busy. (laughs) Yes, I do. I like to have my hands in many different things. Awesome. I think one thing that uh, a lot of our coaches and a lot of our athletes, especially at this youth level, uh, we don't think a whole lot about because we're concerned about, you know, getting the players to learn how to pass the ball, learn how to shoot the ball and learn how to play defense and things along that lines. But I think a little bit more of that goes into it. I think we forget about how we communicate with our players. And certainly there's a lot of things that we can do, not only as as coaches and players, but also administrators that we can do to communicate better with every everybody around us and certainly love to uh, tackle that uh, topic with you. So why don't we get into it? What are some things that our soccer coaches need to focus on when it comes to communicating with our players? Mm -hmm. There are six things that I have done that I like to share with coaches and they're in order. They're in the order in which you would use them. The first is that you want your communication to be congruent. What that means is that the your body language and your words are saying the same thing. I think the easiest way that people understand this is thinking more about it on a personal level. If you have a spouse or children or somebody that you interact with at home and you're upset about something and they ask you what's wrong and you say, nothing, I'm fine. Well, your words are saying one thing, but your body language is probably telling them something different. And so when it comes to communicating with players, we need to be sure that our words and our body language are sending the same message. Because when people listen to us, they first look to our body language to determine if it is aligned with our message and if there's 
not congruency there, then it leaves a lot of misunderstanding on the table. And so the first is to be congruent. The second is to take ownership. And all that means is that when you share thoughts or opinions or feelings or direction with players that you need to say it from your perspective, meaning it starts with I think or I feel and not saying it like the team feels like this or people think you do this. Because when we do that, we're not taking ownership of our communication and it's not clear. From there, you wanna focus on saying one thing at a time. Too often we bundle up anywhere between three and five messages into, into one message and we forget that people have a hard time remembering even just a single thing. And so when we're communicating multiple different points to somebody, think we're giving them a lot more work than they can handle, no fault of their own. And so for coaches, it's important that when you're going to share a message, really take some time to think about what's the most important thing I need to share in this message and try to focus only on sharing that one thing. Number four would be sharing facts first and then followed by opinions. And when we think about coach and player relationships, sometimes it's the other way around. When we're communicating, we need to focus first on sharing with our players what did we objectively see, hear, or what do we factually know to be true. And then once we share that, then we can follow up with how that has made us feel or what our opinion about that is. Because then we're more, they won't get as defensive, defensive as I think we all tend to get when we have someone sharing an opinion right away without first laying down the facts of how they came to that opinion. So you want to be sure to share facts followed by opinions. Number five is to check for understanding. That means is that once you share an important message with a player is to ask them to repeat back to you in their own words what they heard you say. We so often assume that the way we communicated is clear because it makes sense to us but we know that we all have different life experiences. We learn in different ways and we communicate different from one another. And so if your message is important enough, take some time when you're done to just ask them and you can say it in a phrase like, I'm not sure I'm relaying this in the way I want to. Could you tell me what you are hearing me say? So that way the pressure isn't on them, but you get to check for understanding. And then the final thing is to be redundant. I think we often feel like we're annoying when we repeat the same thing over and over, but as we've learned and as you see in many different studies and from communication experts, is that people need to hear a message multiple times in order for it to resonate and for them to retain that information. It's that old adage, tell them what you're going to tell them tell them and then tell them what you told them. If your message is important enough, repeat it as often as you can. And so you know that it sticks and that your athletes will, and even parents sometimes will remember it when they need to. Those are some great points. Now let's go ahead and flip the tables a little bit. What are some things that, because I mean, we'd like to have, especially our older youth athletes, what are some things that those players need to do when it comes to communicating with their coaches? Mm -hmm. I think the first and most important one is to be a good listener. We, we think that listening comes natural to us, but 
In fact, it does not. And it's a learned skill. I think a lot of the misinterpretation and miscommunication that happens is simply because we weren't truly listening. We might look like we're listening or we think that whatever we're doing is listening, but we're not. And what we've learned in communication is that when you're truly learning the skill of listening, you can do so by having your body teach your brain. What that means is that when you're at a practice or at a game and your coach is talking, you want to do things like make direct eye contact. So look at them as they speak. You can also, from a body language perspective, if you're sitting down, you can lean slightly forward, which cues your body into listening more or even tilt your head a little bit. Another thing that I have found helpful and a lot of my clients have found helpful is that if you challenge yourself and, and say, what if this person asks me to repeat back to them what they said once they're done? That forces me to really pay attention to what they're saying because I now feel like there might be the added, added challenge of repeating back to them what they say. And so in my own communications, what I do now is when I listen to people, I challenge myself and I say, if I have to repeat this back to them, I want to be sure that I hear everything that they're saying. So the first is listen. The second thing is to not hesitate to ask for clarification. There's a lot of us that hesitate to ask questions or to admit that we're not understanding something because we feel stupid. But really what that means is that the one, the person communicating or speaking just hasn't done or communicated what they needed to in a way that you understand, which is no fault of your own, it, because that is the onus on the speaker. And so I challenge athletes to step up and say, I'm not understanding what you're saying. Is there another way you can explain that? Because if you're confused, more likely than not, there are other teammates or um, folks that are confused as well. And then the third thing that I have is to open up about yourself. So much of successful communication, especially between coach and player, comes down to the type of relationship that you've built with your coach. And relationships aren't built on just the tactical aspect of a coach teaching you the skills of the game. When your coach, when you come to practice and your coach asks you how you're doing or how school going, instead of just brushing it off and giving one word answers, challenge yourself to elaborate. Tell them something about a project you're working on in school or tell them something that's going on at home with your family or a challenge you're facing. When coaches ask their players how they're doing, they they're curious and they want their players to open up because a lot of coaches understand that that's how you build that rapport and relationship. So as a player, it's equally their responsibility to elaborate and give that coach something to work with so that you can build a foundation of trust and understanding. I really like that second point that you made about not being afraid to follow up with a question of a directive or whatever that a coach has given you to ask for clarification. I think that's extremely important for athletes really to uh, adhere to and, and, and don't be afraid. Don't, you know, don't think that you're going to be, Oh, you know, the coach is going to think, wow, that person's dumb or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think that's such, such a great point uh, that you make. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Go ahead. I was, it takes a lot of maturity to do that as well. And that's a, that's a whole life skill. 
So if you can learn to do that in an environment where you already feel safe, which for a lot of athletes is on their sports teams, it's a great place to practice stepping up and asking for clarification and asking questions because you're going to have to do that your entire life, especially once you get into the working world. And so if you can start doing it in a safe environment, that's the, the best place to do it first. Yep, I agree with you. What's the one big mistake that we make when it comes to communication? I have three, but the top one is that I see a lot of coaches sending double messages. What a double message is, is that you're saying two different opposing things in a single statement. And that can sound like if a coach says to their athlete, you've been doing great in practice, but you're not quite ready to start yet. That would be a double message or be aggressive, but save some energy for the fourth quarter. So we're saying one thing, but we're also saying another and an athlete walks away and they think, well, so I'm working my butt off in practice, but now they're telling me I still can't start. And so the athlete feels defeated because now they're not sure what else they could possibly do, or they feel like they're giving everything they've got. And yet it's still not good enough for them to get into the game or be aggressive, but save some energy for the fourth quarter. Well, how hard am I supposed to work? How do I know how to gauge my energy? So maybe they don't give their best effort in that first quarter and they end up getting taken out, but simply because they misunderstood what the coach meant. Double messages from a coach's perspective are confusing to athletes. They aren't direct and they don't usually make sense when the athlete walks away. And a lot of times if we do that too often, we lose the respect of our athletes because it begins to feel disingenuous that you're just stringing them along and they're not quite sure where you're taking them. That's a great point. Um, I know this is something that comes up often, and I've had a lot of people ask me about this, and it's actually, I mean, I've had, has happened to me. When us coaches make a mistake, such as we lose our cool uh, in a situation, what steps should we be doing to correct that problem? Yes, well, the first is to forgive yourself. We are all humans with emotion, and we can't control those emotions all the time. But if it does happen, the first thing that you need to do is cool off. We don't want to remedy the situation immediately because it takes typically a few hours, maybe even a few days sometimes for our emotions to calm down and for us to be able to think about objective or objectively observe and think about what had happened in that situation. Once you are cooled off, you want to take responsibility for your behavior as quickly as possible. What that means is that if you lost your cool during a game in front of your athletes, verbally expressing that and saying, I let my emotions get the best of me and explain what had happened from an objective standpoint, you don't want to make excuses or blame anyone else for why you reacted the way you do. You did. You want to keep it personal to you. And that could sound like communicating that we have certain values that we uphold on this team and my behavior the other night at the game did not uphold those values in this way. The next time that I experience this situation, I'm planning to do this instead. And yes, it takes some courage and being humble to admit this and take responsibility for it. But it's also an opportunity for you to teach your athletes how to recover and handle their mistakes. Because 
really it's how we recover and handle our mistakes that says our talks about our character and our integrity more so than the fact that we made a mistake mistakes can be forgiven and people will ultimately they'll like you more they'll respond to you better if they see that you can take ownership and without blaming others once you do make a mistake and that you can remedy that the final thing and this is a step that i feel is forgotten most often is that yes we would take responsibility and we talk about what we plan to do in the future so that it doesn't happen again but we also sometimes need to open up and invite discussion from our team again if i blew up at the rough at a game and it made my team uncomfortable i can ask the group either as a group or on an individual basis and let them have the opportunity to share how my outburst made them feel and not interrupt them or judge them as they're sharing those feelings but it creates that safe team environment and builds again builds that rapport that's so critical critical in developing those healthy communicative relationships with my players now one thing with dealing with youth athletes us coaches must interact with a player's parents what can we do as coaches to have positive communications with the parents Yes. So with parents, the first thing you want to do is share your philosophy and your coaching values early on at the onset of a season, at the onset of if you're coming in new to a team so that right away, there's an understanding between you and the parents. They know what your expectations are and vice versa. The second thing I would recommend is having a communication system and communicating what that system is to the parents. What that means is that you explain to the parents, if they have a concern, a question, or something they need to address with you, that here's the order of operations in which that should be handled. And maybe that sounds like if you have something, the way I'd like you to do it is send me an email first so that we can schedule a meeting. Or maybe you say that all of your questions and concerns should be brought to my attention at the end of practices. I will reserve 10 minutes to speak to parents. Or maybe as a coach, you host office hours and that you explain to the parents their questions and concerns should be addressed in office hours. This third thing is that when it comes to logistics, you need to be as organized as possible, communicate early and communicate often. What, where are you practicing? What are the practice times? How are you going to communicate with parents when things like that change? Too often, if we are disorganized as a coach, over time that can degrade the relationship that we have with parents because they're planning their family life and home life and personal life. And if you're changing practice schedules or making adjustments on the fly, that doesn't show a whole lot of respect for them. And then the last one as a coach is, I think most important is that you need to set boundaries. There are certain things as a coach that you don't want to be, have open for discussion. And that could include maybe you don't discuss with parents playing time. That's not something that's open for discussion. You don't discuss great game strategy, or you don't discuss the performance or the behavior of athletes that aren't their own kids. And that's something that you can, again, communicate to parents early on when you're sharing your training or coaching philosophy is that if you're going to bring a question or a concern my way, sure, you, anything's open to discussion except for these things. You know, one thing I know as a coach, especially when I had teams that got older, um, 
you want your players to come to you with problems and with issues and not have it go through the parents. What can us coaches do to foster that type of relationship uh, with our players to have them come to us with those issues? Mm-hmm. The first is to be patient because it takes time to build rapport. You can't expect that if you're a new coach on a team that within the first week, those players are going to be coming to you with issues. So once you've established that rapport, another great way, well, to build rapport and to maintain rapport is to take a few minutes either at the beginning or the end of practice to talk about personal things with your athletes. So anything but the sport that you're playing, ask them about how school is going, ask about their family or other relationships that you know are important to them or other activities that they are participating in outside of the sport. Then next, you can tell stories and role play. What I mean by stories is just that if you've read a book, Coach John Wooden has a lot of great stories about players. Give examples to them about how the you would expect these scenarios to play out. Maybe you know another coach who had an athlete that experienced a problem and you can share that athlete's story about how they went to their coach and how them and their coach resolved this together and how it ended up working out positively. Or you can role play. Too too often we assume that athletes aren't coming to us with their problems because we don't have that rapport, they don't trust us. But what we forget is that a lot of these athletes, especially younger athletes, they've never been taught how to approach a coach and deal with an issue like this. So it might be worthwhile in the beginning of the season to get into a classroom or a training room and say, this is how, and do some role play or case studies about, hey, if you experience this issue, here's how you could approach me. Here are the options for approaching me. Here's what you can expect me to say. Here's how we can work on these things together. So there's nothing for them to lose because it's a scenario planning or role playing. And now they know, okay, now I know what to expect if I approach him and I'm not guessing or assuming that he's going or she's going to react one way when in fact they're not going to. And then the final thing is that you want to give players multiple options for bringing something to your attention. You can't expect that just because you like to communicate face-to-face that that's going to be an okay avenue for your athlete to take when they want to share something with you. They might want to send you a text message. They might want to give you a phone call or write you an email or maybe even write you a written note. You want to open up the options that your athletes can take when they're thinking about approaching you about something that they don't feel forced into. Uh, He only wants, he only does face-to-face or she only does face-to-face conversations and I don't feel comfortable enough to do this face-to-face. As we wrap things up here, Jenny, if you could uh, give coaches just one piece of advice on communicating with a player, what would that be? Listen. I've said that before about the players, but listening is so crucial. And I challenge coaches not to speak or share your opinion about something until your athlete has absolutely nothing left to say about it. And the way you can do that is once they're done talking, asking the question, what else? Or tell me more about that. Or that simple question of why. If you continue to ask those questions, you'll you'll be amazed at how much longer you can get athletes to talk to you and tell you details that they hadn't shared previously, but you've got to be willing to be patient and 
kind of drag those details out of them by those using those open-ended questions. What else? Tell me more about that and why. What about players? Players, an invaluable tool that players should use that I, I don't see many doing, and I think it's a huge miss, is that I think players should be keeping a communication journal. Being good at communication starts with being aware of your own both interpersonal and your experiences with how you communicate with others. A lot of times we move right ahead to trying to teach people communication skills, but they're not even aware of how they communicate or how they feel about communication. So I'd encourage players to grab a blank notebook and each time you come home from practice or you have an interaction with your coach or another teammate that was out of the ordinary or challenging that you journal about it. What happened in the scenario? What did the person say that upset you? What did you say that you were proud of or not proud of? How did practice go? What do you wish you could say to your coach if there were, if you didn't have any fear about approaching them at all? Writing those things down is not only cathartic, but it can help prepare you to then have those conversations in real life. And it, at that point, if you do decide to have a conversation with your coach or another teammate, bring notes with you so that you don't feel the pressure of having to remember or if you feel like you're going to react on emotion. Having notes keeps you grounded. It's like a compass that you can keep coming back to. So keeping a journal, a communications journal, and then if you're going to have a conversation, don't be afraid to bring a piece of paper with some notes written down on it so you can stay organized. And I think also, too, that documentation portion of journaling, something like that can prove extremely beneficial um, if something were to come about of, of, of an incident of some sorts where, well, this person said this. Well, no, this is what I said because I, you know, I wrote it down. This is how I said it to this and this is what happened, that type of thing. I think that's extremely beneficial, too, as uh well. Yeah, I carry around a little field notebook, and anytime I have a conversation that is critical in some way, no matter who that's with, I just jot down a few notes because it helps me reflect on what I did well and what I want to work on. And it also, the next time I interact with that person, like you said, I've got something to go back to, and I can try to see why they felt a certain way, and I can look back at it objectively without that that film of emotion layered on top of it. And if you and if you rely on just your memory for something like that, you are you're setting yourself up for. You uh, are right about that. You know, oh man, and you know, and going back to what you said before about is all the messages that we receive as a person in a given day, not even necessarily soccer, but just everything that we're being bombarded with. Just trying to remember stuff like that, uh, uh, mm -hmm. writing it down and documenting uh, certainly makes a difference. So, Jenny, how can you, you're a great follow on Twitter, which is how I discovered you. Um, where can people find you on social media and online? Yes. So online, I have a website and it's 925athlete and that's all spelled out N-I-N-E-T-O-F-I-V-E athlete.com. My contact information is there. On Twitter, my handle is Jenny with a Y underscore Rerick, R-E-A-R-I-C-K. And then on Instagram, I am at 925athlete, all one word. And I encourage everybody that's listening to the podcast to go out there and uh, and follow Jenny and 
and uh, you know learn learn about learn more uh, better ways to communicate with your players and and your parents. Lots of good stuff she provides out there. Well, Jenny, thank, thank you, you so much for for coming on our program today. We certainly appreciate it. I'm happy to have been here. Thank you for inviting me. And thank you for listening to the West Virginia Soccer Association Beyond the Pitch podcast here on the West Virginia Soccer Association Digital Network. Now that you've heard our show, make sure you give our podcast a five-star rating and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back next Thursday with another episode, so we hope to see you next week. Take care.